Okay, good morning and Merry Christmas again. In that great show, A Charlie Brown Christmas, how Linus ends that telling the story. In the midst of all the stuff that we enjoy, the secular part, the Santa Claus part, the Christmas lights and all these traditions it developed in the last century. He says that's what Christmas is all about. And so, particularly you young people, this is what Christmas is all about this morning. As we will be turning to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, Luke 1, verses 26 to 35. Let's pray. Father, I pray that every heart, every mind will see the stunning reality of what happened in history on this day from this passage. Oh, may we adore our King eternal all the more because we're here to worship Him this morning. To the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So if you're there in Luke 1, verses 26 forward, let's just go straight to it. This is one of the most significant days and encounters in all of history. We read, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now, right before this, Luke recorded something that happened five to six months earlier, where this same angel named Gabriel appeared to John the Baptist's dad. And when he appeared to him, he did it in the center of culture in Jerusalem in the temple in the high holy place of Israel where it was John the Baptist dead as a priest turned to offer incense and thousands of people were waiting for him to come out not knowing what had happened to him and of course he couldn't speak because he was struck dumb by Gabriel for his unbelief. And then it just jumps to this. So that was the forerunner who was going to be born of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now the angel Gabriel is to go and tell of the Messiah. The Savior who's going to be born. So, after Zechariah our minds would just be anticipating 
what kind of a Hollywood production is this one going to be? And so, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, the angel Gabriel appears to an obscure Jewish teenage girl in an obscure, out-of-the-way little village of 400 people up north in an insignificant region called Galilee. This isn't Judea. It's not Jerusalem. It's not the temple. It's Nazareth. This out-of-the-way, nothing place. And it's here that Gabriel comes to a lower-class home and to a daughter of that home who is anywhere between 13 to 15 years old. And she fits the profile for God perfectly. She is one who will stay lower class all her life. She'll marry a blue-collar carpenter. She'll give birth to numerous children. She'll never travel very far, and she'll die like thousands and ten thousands of other nobodies in a nothing place, in a nowhere land. And we know about it. This is not the way the world thinks. It's not the way the worldly church thinks. If we're going to choose a young woman to give birth to the Savior, to the promised Messiah, maybe we would choose one who's destined to marry Caesar. Or maybe one of King Herod's daughters. Or maybe a princely family of Israel in Jerusalem who has a lot of sway and leadership. Or maybe a Jewish scholar, rabbi. We would love to Facebook it and record the whole thing. But God did it quietly. As He so often chooses the nothings, the foolish things of the world, as Paul would say, in order to shame those who are wise in something in their own eyes. So here she is. She's a virgin. That means she has never had marital marriage relationship with a man. With anybody including Joseph, to whom she is in a contract with now, a betrothal, which they wait for marital relations until the actual wedding, which may be even a year later. So here we are in obscurity. We don't know what time of day it was or night. We don't know if she's in the home, if she's outside in the garden or down the road under some fig trees. We have no idea. But we do know this in verse 28. And he came and he to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Now, in one sense, that's not what he said. Because no one talks like that. Okay. 
Was it really weird? In her own vernacular, it was essentially the angel Gabriel appeared and said, How you doing? Yes, you, the one upon whom God has shown much grace. The Lord, or Yahweh, is with you. And then, verse 29 says, But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. So in other words, she's a little scared. And so the angel Gabriel says to her, Don't be afraid, Mary, because you have found favor with God. And then the angel goes on to explain what was going to happen to her. And he explains that Mary, you, as a virgin are going to conceive and to give birth to a son. And you will call His name Jesus. Now, this could bore us right now. Because it's Christmas. We see manger scenes. Here every year. And can totally miss how stunning this was to this girl. So let's try to strip away all the familiarity. Anytime an angel appears, it's frightening. And he appears. He tries to calm her. Don't be afraid. This is good news, Mary. And then... Gabriel explains to her in verses 31 to 33. And behold, Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. And he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. So first she's told, you are to name him, this is the Greek of Luke, Yesu, Jesus. But the angel spoke in Aramaic to Mary, very close to Hebrew, the Semitic language. And in Hebrew, it's Yeshua. We translate it Joshua, which means God saves. It's a very common name, like Joseph, Joe today. But what's clear in the text is that this one to be named Yeshua is not common because of what follows, proves. That name, God saves, Yeshua, has a significant meaning with this baby that's to be born. The angel makes it clear that Mary, the baby you're going to give birth to is the promised Messiah. 
son of David. She grew up in the synagogue. She's Jewish. She's heard the scriptures read over and over and over about the promised son of David who will reign as king forever. And the angel just said to her, your son will be given the throne of his father, David. So as she probably finally catches her breath because of the angel's words that are so shocking to her. Very unlike Zechariah six months earlier who says, how can that be? No. Mary asked a logical question. How? How is this going to happen since I've never had marital relations with anybody? Now, what should really floor us if you think about it? Is even in that question, it seems as if she's ready to actually believe that she's going to get pregnant as a virgin. That she's going to be the mother of the son of David, the Messiah, who was to come. And Gabriel loved this attitude. And so he went on to tell her, this is how it's going to happen. And that leads to the central character, person of this passage. And it's not the angel Gabriel. And it's not Mary. It's Jesus. And so Gabriel says, you want to know how? I'll tell you how. Right there, verse 35. This is how, Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Gabriel's answer to how is simply the Holy Spirit. How will a virgin get pregnant and have a child? How will one of her eggs be fertilized without human sperm? And how can this child be called holy, the Son of God? Answer, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called the Son of God. And that word, therefore, is crucial in this text. It shows that... The pregnancy, the conception of Jesus in a virgin is caused solely by the mysterious work of God, the Holy Spirit Himself. It shows the divine sonship of Jesus and that it depends on her virginity. No 
human seed penetrating her egg. And because of the presence of the Holy Spirit, in order to miraculously cause her to become pregnant with Jesus, here's the logic of the text. Therefore, the incarnation. It was in this meeting with Gabriel, the angel, and Mary that the greatest and most central event in human history began. God, the creator of the universe, incarnated himself in the womb of Mary. The God-man was incubating in the womb of this obscure, poor, virgin teenager. In her womb, there's a person. We've all now in our day and age can see babies developing in a womb. We can see them just weeks down the road, tiny, a head, arms. And in her womb, that little baby, developing like any of us, was one person who had two distinct natures. We have only one nature. We are human beings. We have no other. That is what we are. The Holy Spirit caused Mary to conceive a person who is the eternal God. And now, from the conception of the Holy Spirit coming upon her, that one person is now also fully, 100% human. He shall be called the Son of God. And He is the Son of God, not just because He descended from King David according to the flesh. Not just because God chose him for some great mission in his life, which he did. Not because he will be morally pure like God, which he would. That's not why. He's the Son of God. He is the Son of God because his very existence is God's existence. His very person is in nature or essence eternally without beginning divine. He didn't just come from God. This baby. His very being is God. And this is the great mystery of the incarnation. As Paul would later write in Colossians 2, For in Jesus, the whole fullness of deity, Godness, dwells bodily. Months earlier, 
God intervened in the birth of John the Baptist. But what's happening here is something totally different. This was not the creation of a person in the womb of Mary. This was the clothing of the pre-existent eternal person with true humanity. With a true human soul and body. Now, the Apostle John, one of that baby's really good friends later on, started his narrative of the life of Christ getting straight to the point this way. In the beginning was the Word. He's referring to his friend, Mary's baby, Jesus. Was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into Being through Him and without Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. And the Word in the womb of Mary became flesh, human, and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. And then as the rest of the Scriptures unfold it, It makes it clear that this baby, that this Savior, is to be the fulfillment of the Old Testament sacrificial system. He is the true, unblemished Lamb of God. As later on, his relative John the Baptist would say of him as he's walking up over there by the river. There he is. The Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. And so Jesus had to be fully, really human. In order to be the sin sacrifice in fulfilling all of the Old Testament sacrificial system. So that there he could be punished in the stead of, in place of, as a substitute for all who will be saved by him. He had to be human. No tricks. Complete, full, 100% human nature. Not mixed with His divine nature. He never laid aside His divine nature, but His divine nature mysteriously is distinct from His human nature. So that person is divine and human. And He had to be, as the sacrifice, fully God. Holy, omnipotent, just, the eternal God. So that His human substitutionary sacrifice would have 
infinite value and worth. More than all the desecration of God's glory for all the sins that humanity would ever create and do. And so, listen for a moment to later revelation, decades down the road now. In Hebrews 4 and Hebrews 7, the writer puts it this way. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, Jesus, who is holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens in His resurrection and ascension. That's the baby conceived. In Mary's womb. Therefore he will be called. The son. Of God. Go back. To that meeting. Mary. Doesn't have. This stuff. Figured out. She doesn't go home and teach. This is who he is. He's going to die for our sins. Oh not only that. Might child in me, is actually the creator of the universe. She does not know this. There was no theology in her own day that had any grid for understanding that the Messiah would be Yahweh Himself coming and becoming a human being in order to be the sin sacrifice. In hindsight... We see this stuff clearly, like Hebrews 2. Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus Himself likewise partook of the same thing, so that through death He might destroy Him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. And therefore, He had to be made like His brothers in every respect so that He might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God in order to make propitiation for the sins of the people. And this is why Gabriel tells Mary how uniquely great Jesus, your baby, is. Look at verses 31 and 32 again. Mary, behold, you will conceive in your womb and you will give birth to a son. You shall call His name Jesus. He will be great. And He will be called the Son of the Most High God. 
Son of God. Aren't we all children of God? In one sense, from creator to creature, yes. And then in another sense, no, only those who belong to God are called sons of God in the New Testament. But that's not Gabriel's point. In the text, what Gabriel is doing is he's given a description of what distinguishes Jesus from all others. He's great. He's king. He's everlasting king. He's the son of God. Not not like us who come to faith in Jesus and God is now our father and we are sons of God. But uniquely. So that when he grows up and he's in his public ministry in the spirit world, demons recognize him. Cry out. We know who you are. Jesus, Son of God. Have you come to destroy us before the time? They they know this is a human being, very human, just like us, except for the sin, nature, problem, and action. But He's also something far more. That is the person who never came into existence. So the Hebrew writer describes the child in Mary's womb this way. In these last days, God has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed to be the heir, inheritor of all things, through whom also He created the world. This baby is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact image, imprint of God's nature. And that baby upholds the universe by the word of His power. As the angel says to Mary. And the Lord God. Will give to him. Your baby. The throne. Of his father. David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob. Forever. And of his reign, his kingdom, there will never ever be an end. Gabriel says to Mary, what's happening here in this conception I am announcing to you is the fulfillment of the prophecy of over a thousand years ago at that time. When God promised King David that he would set one of his descendants on his throne and he will reign forever and ever. And that clearly means 
your child is the long-awaited Jewish Messiah, the King of Israel. And all of the earthly ministry of Jesus and the essence of Christianity, it is directly related to and it is the fulfillment of the Hebrew Scriptures. The Old Testament. So the angel Gabriel says, these words have meaning. God's going to give him the throne of his father, David, as promised a thousand years ago. When the Apostle Paul writes his great theological unfolding of the gospel of Jesus, he begins it this way in Romans 1. The gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, the Old Testament, Concerning his son, who was descended from David, according to the flesh. In the very first Christian sermon preached on the day of Pentecost, the Apostle Peter says this, Being therefore a prophet, about David here, And knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him. That he, God, would set one of his, David's, descendants on the throne. David foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ. This is the announcement of the angel Gabriel to Mary. What a day. What a day that was in an obscure, tiny village called Nazareth to a young teenager named Mary. It would be years later before Luke would meet Mary and the family and ask about these things as he's putting together his narrative. After his crucifixion and resurrection and appearances to his mom, family members, friends, and over 500 at one time. And so we, it's like, we love Christmas. Most of us, don't we? And constantly in Christmas we have to protect of letting familiarity Destroy the impact and the reality of what it's really about. The story is about this as I close. Mary's child would grow up. He would learn at an early age the trade of carpentry. For 15, 18 years, he will be a blue-collar worker in obscurity. 
And then at age 30, he'll begin his public ministry. Where he healed the sick, cast out demons, taught and taught clearly about his purpose in coming. Like Mark 10.45. The Son of Man. I, Jesus, the baby born of Mary, did not come in order to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And about six decades after the angel Gabriel made the announcement, and he lived his life, he purposefully went to Jerusalem. He purposefully laid down his life in torture on a cross for the sins of his people and was raised from the dead and ascended to heaven. Six decades later, Paul summarizes it all this way in Philippians 2. Though Jesus was in the form or nature of God, He did not count His equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to. No, no, no. But instead, He made Himself nothing by becoming human. By taking the form of a servant being born to Mary in the likeness of humanity. And being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted this man, Mary's son, and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name in heaven and on earth. So that at the name of Jesus, Mary's son, every knee should bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Yahweh to the glory of God the Father. That's Christmas. Jesus came to earth the first time through the womb of Mary in order to remove the wrath of God. He came to be the suffering servant of Isaiah chapter 53. The cross of this God-man is central to all of history. It is at the cross that any of us in this room because we are all sinners. It is only at the cross 
that we can be united to the tender kindness and love of God. It is there that the one eternal holy God remains just and holy while at the same time forgiving sinners. I know you're thinking about it, but that's true. Gabriel was announcing the birth of the sacrificial lamb. Of the substitutionary sacrifice that would propitiate the wrath of God against all whom God has given to him. And so, what grace. This is for everybody in the world and everybody in this room who will recognize how unworthy and sinful you are. Decades later, the Apostle Paul on his missionary journey gets thrown in jail with Silas in the city of Philippi. And the jailer, because God did a miracle and cells are open, is about ready to kill himself. And so he cried out the cry of millions upon millions of us to Paul. What must I do to be saved? And the answer that Paul gave is not try to figure out if you're chosen or not. The answer he gave stands today. Believe. Believe the gospel. Believe this sermon. And you will be saved. Embrace Mary's child as your Savior. Open your heart and grasp. Believe the words of John 3.60. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever will believe in Him will not perish in condemnation, but will have eternal life. Gabriel was clear that day. To Mary, your son will reign as king and sovereign forever. There is a day coming when this same Jesus who came through the womb of Mary the first time will come back again. In his resurrected body as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And for every one of us human beings, we can either happily, joyfully bow to him. Now, during this life, or later.
have our knees bent in condemnation to bow to Him later. Jesus made it clear that on Judgment Day, He will say to all of those who have not loved His first advent, first coming, His life, His death, His resurrection, for all of those who have not believed the gospel, this baby grew up and made it clear that one day He will say to them, depart from me into everlasting fire. But this great shepherd made it clear that He will say to all His sheep on that day, inherit the kingdom which has been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Just as Gabriel said, He will reign on David's throne forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for such a great salvation. We thank You for Your ways. We thank You for a private meeting between your angel Gabriel and Mary, which would not remain private forever, but would be told and then recorded by Luke. You are good. Oh, may you cause our hearts to see, to be humbled, softened oh and to adore the beauty of God becoming man for us and for our salvation do it O oh Lord to the glory of your son our great savior Jesus amen